Okay, we're going to uh, learn Parshas Nitzavim, at least part of it. We'll learn something. You know that the way the book of Dvarim is organized, the Torah really should come to an end after the Parsha called Kitavo. Because the Parsha of Kitavo includes the new version of the covenant, of the agreement, of the Brit between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and B'nai Yisrael. Right? You know, the first version was at the end of Vayikra in the Chukotai. And the second version is in the parsha of Kitavo. So that now, sort of we've signed up, or we've signed on, or we have the covenant in hand. Now, the next thing should be that we go to Eretz Yisrael. And we do, really. The next thing is that we go to Eretz Yisrael. But these parshiyot that come at the end of the book of Dvarim are almost add-ons. There's like appendices. Information that you should have, but I guess doesn't fit in to the main body of the Torah like all of the mitzvot in parashat ki So that just structurally the parasha of the parashiyot of nitzavim vayelech hazinu v'zot ha even though, you know, they sort of, we sort of like manage to ignore them in our year cycle, right? You know, either we're doing Simchat Torah or we're getting ready for a major day like Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. And somehow we don't really uh, give it a lot of attention. We don't give it a lot of attention. Hazinu has a further problem that a lot of words are not understood well but it's not certain what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing and then Vizelta Bracha but we're not after that so let's start from Nitzavim we'll learn together a little bit of the beginning of Nitzavim now the first parasha in Nitzavim which is on the sheet ends with this very uh, difficult pasuk Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu. Whatever Nistarot means, but if it means things that you don't know, they are Lashem Elokeinu. It's kind of a trivial comment. I mean, if I don't know them, I'm sure that Hashem knows them. I mean, what's the point? Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu. Vaniglot Lano Uvaneinu Adolam. Niglot. I guess niglot sounds like it means something that you could know. So there are things that you don't know, that's for God. And the things that you do know, and that's for us. And it's not clear at all from reading the Pasuk what is the reference to. And so we'll look at Rashi and we'll see if it helps us. But I just want to remind you, in this edition, this comes from Barilan this thing because you know that in the in the Sefer Torah that we read on Shabbat these words Lano Vanenu Ad the Ayin of Ad have dots on them right now dots is an odd statistically an odd thing there are a few other words in the Chumash that have dots on them 
but most words don't have dots on them. Dots, not punctuation marks, just dots. And those dots uh, also need some sort of explanation. I mean, it's just odd that in this pasuk about Anishtarot, Vaniglot, and the Lanul Vanenu Ad, there are dots. Dots, we will think, we'll look into it in, a, in, in time. Now, Rashi gets us involved in an interesting matter. After all, it says in the Torah, we'll look in a minute, that if some person, if some person thinks about doing an Avera, he's just like considering it. He's considering robbing the bank. Right? He's considering beating somebody up. Considering it. And he hasn't shared this with anybody. He hasn't told anybody. So the Rashi says, He says, You, Hashem, have said that you're going to punish the Rabbim, the multitude, for the transgression of the Yahid that nobody knows about. Nobody knows that the Yahid is even thinking about this transgression. Shine'emar. Shine'emar. And we quote Pasuk Yudzayin. If you look in Pasuk Yudzayin, you see, look on the sheet, find Pasuk Yudzayin, it's the end of the line. It's not so hard. Pen Yeshbachem Ish. Okay, it says, oh, Isha, but let's say, just say, Ish, Pen Yeshbachem Ish. If there is a person, right? In other words, Ish, Ish who, who decided internally on his own to reject God, right? But on his own. Let's say Shoresh is the root, the guy has a, a bad root, Shoresh that's bad. That's all this bad stuff. So as if he's a bad guy who, who, who decides in his heart that he's going to turn away from God, that he's become an idolater. I mean, you don't know about this at all. Back to the Rashi. Rashi says, That's Pasuk Aleph. So if you look at Pasuk the punishment, the punishment which will come upon the land will be a punishment for what this guy did. This one guy, what did he do? He didn't do anything. He like switched somehow in his heart. He became a heart switcher. That's what happened. And then Rashi goes on and says, How is one person supposed to know what the other guy is thinking? How is a person supposed to know? Like here we are. I'm Yisrael. We have collective responsibility. All of us for each of us. And there's some person who's thinking badly about things. 
there's some person who is denying God in his heart, we're all going to be punished. Well, what are we supposed to do? We don't even know who this person is. But the Torah says we're all going to be punished. And the punishment is going to be severe. And so, so there's some kind of conclusion, Rashi says, that since we can't take care of that problem, justice in the world is going to be divided up. God will be in charge of the bad guys who don't admit that they're bad guys. But we are responsible if somebody takes an action and does something against the Torah, we have to take care of that problem. And if we don't do that, then the Rabbim, the majority, will be punished because they didn't take care of the individual that they knew had to be taken care of. Okay, so justice. This is a statement about justice. And the statement about justice refers to the fact that we don't always know what people are thinking, what they are planning, what might be, and therefore the Torah says that a Kodesh Bochel takes care of the Nistarot as long as we take care of the Niglot, right? That, that everything will be straightened out. If we do our part, God will do God's part, and, and the world will be, will be as it should be. Okay? That's what it says. That's how Rashi understands it. Then, Rashi adds this. Nakud al-lonu ulevaneinu. Rashi says, you know, I can't help noticing that there are these dots on the words lonu ulevaneinu and also on the ayin of ad. There's a dot. Lonu ulevaneinu ayin. There are dots. And so Rashi says, Lidrosh that if B'nai Yisrael did not uh, accept this responsibility while they were in the desert, if there were people who did transgressions of one kind or another, and B'nai Yisrael did not accept the responsibility, then... If they were in the desert before they came to Eretz Yisrael, that was fine. But if, after they come to Eretz Yisrael, right? So, this halacha is connected to another halacha. This idea that you have to kind of mete out the punishment to the Nistarot is connected to another halacha which we call Arvut. Arvut means that there's responsibility. Usually when we think of Arvut, we, we think of it in the Chabad sense, which is that if somebody's not putting on filling, you have to put filling on him. If somebody, if some woman is not going to the mikveh, you have to throw her into the, into the mikveh. That's what arvut means. Arvut is when someone is not doing a mitzvah, that they should do the mitzvah. But here, Rashi says it's another kind of arvut. Arvut means generally, I'm responsible. 
What am I responsible for? I'm responsible that the world should not come to an end. In order to fulfill the responsibility that the world should not come to an end, if I meet up with a transgressor, I've got to stop him. Either I can stop him by, uh, you know, by, uh, I don't know, by making him into a Balchuvik, or I can stop him by throttling him somehow. That's what seems to be, that seems to be the choice. So that the parashim of Nitzavim, the beginning of the parasha of Nitzavim, is about, one of the topics of the beginning of the parasha, is Anistarot Vahaniglot. Nistarot and Niglot are about responsibility. And they say that the only way you're going to make it in Eretz Yisrael, the only way Am Yisrael is going to make it after they get to Eretz, to Eretz Yisrael, is if they accept the responsibility. Everybody has to keep the Torah. Everybody has to do the mitzvot. Of course, there are nistarot. And the nistarot, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises to take care of. The niglot, however, we have to take care of. And those niglot, those niglot, we take care of them. That's called arvut. We worry about each other. There's a ritva here in Sanhedrin. We'll see the Gemara in Sanhedrin. The ritva says, arvut, what happened to B'nai Yisrael when they came into Eretz Yisrael, is that they sort of became part of an organism. They all became part of one big organism. That's the mashal that he uses. And therefore, if, uh, if I see someone who doesn't put on tefillin, so it says, no, I didn't put on tefillin. If I didn't put on tefillin, I had to do something. I mean, I can't, I can't be sanguine. So if somebody else, another Jew didn't put on tefillin, or another Jew didn't eat a piece of matzah, or another Jew didn't, didn't uh, shake the lul of an esrog. So it's me, right? It's part of me that didn't do these mitzvot. This is what the ritva says. And therefore, that's what the meaning of arvut is. Arvut is not simply another obligation. But somehow when B'nai Yisrael came to Eretz Yisrael, they... They joined together with each other. They were the same group. And within the same group, any person who doesn't do a mitzvah, it's as though I'm not doing the mitzvah. And therefore I have to work hard to make everybody, give everybody a chance to do the mitzvah on the one hand, and to prevent people from doing averas on the other hand. Okay, so that's our topic. That is our topic. On this topic, I would like to mention uh, the Rashabah. If you turn the page, remember in the parashah Kitavo, there were these series of arurim, of curses. The Bnei Yisrael come to Eretz Yisrael, remember they're going to go to Shem, and in Shem they're going to do this and they that and the other thing, and then there's also a series of curses that are going to be announced, and everybody can say Amen. One of those curses, in fact the last of the curses, is this. Okay. Arur, anybody who makes an idol. Uh, someone who knows how to uh, work in stone or how to work in metal, but someone who knows how to do that, there's something serious. Visham, the sams, they got the sam. But Sater. Sater means hidden. Sam means the place. What's placed? What's hidden? Va'anu kol ha'am va'amru amen. So now the Rashbam. The Rashi doesn't say anything. But you know I've told you many times that the Rashbam was related to Rashi. Right? The Rashbam is still related to Rashi. And the Rashbam saw himself as kind of a continuation. 
Right? In some places the Rashbam uh, uh, felt that he was adding on and doing more and something that had to be done. In other places the Rashbam is very similar, you would think, to what Rashi might have written had he written something. So it's hard to tell because there was a tradition, you know, people learned Chumash. It wasn't just that they sat around and waited for Rashi to say something, right? Rashi also had a Rebbe. And his Rebbe, Rashi's Rebbe, also learned Pashat the Shavua, I imagine. Right? And, and maybe he had a Chabrutza. Maybe they also learned Parashat HaShavuah. And when they came to a hard pasuk, they must have said something. They couldn't have said, we'll wait till Rashi explains it. So, it's probably the opposite, that Rashi learned a lot from his rebellion. Now, that means that besides what Rashi wrote, I mean, I'm not in any way minimizing the originality that Rashi probably had. I'm just saying that there are a lot of things in the air that people were saying, that people were learning. And some of those things were probably found their way into the perush of the Rashbam. That the Rashbam, if you look at the Rashbam, if you learn through the Rashbam, you see the Rashbam didn't just look at Rashi and say, oh, I'll say the opposite. That's not how it was. And so the Rashbam put in a lot of material, which either he invented, or he learned from his Rebbeim, one of whom was Rashi, or he heard from his chavrusas, or, you know, that's what it was. They were all learning Torah. I mean, all the people we know about. Maybe there were some people who weren't learning Torah, but of course we don't know about that. So, I mean, no one's going to write a book about the people who weren't learning Torah in the time of Rashi. I mean, it's sort of like, be a small book. So here's the Rashbah. The Rashbam comes to explain this pasuk. Now you remember this pasuk is not in the parish of Nitzavim. This pasuk is in the parish of Kitavo. The parish of Kitavo talks about when you come to Eretz Israel. When you come to Eretz Israel, this is a very odd thing. We come to Eretz Israel, you go to Hargrizim, Haregval, you say Brachot, you say Kvalot, you put up stones, you write the Sefer Torah. Since this is not the parasha of Kitavo, I don't have to try to explain all of that. But it is sufficient for me to say that it's odd. I mean, the parasha of Kitavo, all of that stuff. Like, what is, what is it exactly that they're doing? But let's look at this one pasuk. The last pasuk of the Arurs is about Avodah And somebody who makes Avodah is going to get it, right? To this is a bad thing. Now the Rashbam. Here's the Rashbam. He's explaining the words of his son, Basater. Kol Arim Shneim Asar. Kineget Shneim Asar Shvatim. Twelve Arim, twelve Shvatim. You know what that means? Huh? This is a very good example of one of those cases where you know what the words mean, but you don't understand it. So this is a good thing. And one thing is very important to do when you don't understand something. Say you don't understand. That's good. It's healthy. It develops moral fiber. It produces, you know, good, good midos. What did you read today? 12 shvateh, but they're not 12 shvateh. We know that there are 12 Shvatim. Well, there yet that 12 hour read the 12 Shvatim. Okay, there were six here, there were six there. I mean, you know, like, it's as though the, the whole Torah is like, works on geometry or something. Like, you know, you make nice, nice patterns. 
And from a nice pattern, what do you get? More nice patterns. So this is what he says. Vekula averochiri gilim liyot beseiter heim. Kemosha afareish bekulam. Chutz mishnayi. He says all these Averot in the list of Arurim are Averot that people do Viseter. Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows what they're doing. But there are two. That sometimes you do Begalui and sometimes you do Viseter. Vehein Avodazar Umake Re'ehu. Avodazar I mean, sometimes you do the Seder, right? You walk into somebody's house, an old friend of yours, you see a thing on the mantle, and you say, what is that thing? Oh, that's a Buddhist Sometimes. Or sometimes you go to a big show, they call them not, they don't have a Buddhist today, they have rock concerts. Rock concerts, other they have incense going up in the air, people doing crazy things all over, you know, and, and everybody... Everybody is high on something. That's called a rock concert, right? Which is, which is like a Buddhism. It's like a Buddhism. In Russia, they call it the subway. <laughs> the subway is the. Alright. It's too hard to explain. Chutz Mishnai Shugilun Yot Pamim Begalui Pamim Beseita. Behain Avodazarao Makarayayu. Also, Makarayayu. Sometimes you beat up your friends in private. And sometimes you beat them up in public, right? It depends on how the proximity to the police, right? But uh, you know, you listen to the radio. I listen to the news every day at five o'clock in the morning, and unfortunately, they always manage to find something distressing, right? And it just happened last night. It didn't happen like long. Right? Don't collect them. There's always a new story. So this is Makere Therefore the word Seter is used in both of these. Shal Because the Torah didn't ask me to say or didn't make these Arurim, these curses for Averotche Begalui, Ki Beitin Yan Shehu Alagluyot, Kimoshikatu Bisovkolaklalot. Because we know that whenever everybody, when you could see the Aveira being done, then it's the responsibility of, of the courts. The courts intervene. <coughs> So he goes over this idea that's in Rashi, in Nitzavim, and he says, Arur, I mean, what's the Arur about? It's about the fact that people do Averot, and you don't always know that they're doing Averot. So that if it's Nistarot, HaKadosh Baruch will be responsible, and if it's Niglot, the court is going to be uh, responsible. Malkot, Skilat, Shrefa, Herek, Vechenek. Halo Tireh. I was taking there, but then he's back. Ki elu de ve seiter. 
שכב עם אשת דוד וזהו במקום שהוא גדל שם ואין רואה עם כל בהמה אין זה כי אם בסתר וכן אחותו חתנתו האם רגילה בבית ביתה סוף There is this problem that the Torah is referring to according to Rashi and according to the Rashbam. And that's the problem of the secret Aveyra. There's the problem of the secret Aveyra. Like what do we do? How do we maintain the standard that's demanded of Am Yisrael with all of these secret Aveyrot in the world? So now we'll look at this Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says this. This is a Mishnah. You see the Mishnah? Ayara Chog Rebet Askila Ke'eser Amod They're talking about someone who were bringing him to to be stoned. Omimlo Hitvadeh We say to him Now is a good time to confess. I mean he's guilty He's going to be punished He's going to be killed Hitvadeh Confess Shekain Derech Kol Hamumatin we like try to convince him all of the people who are killed who are punished by the Beitin mitvadin all of them confess because after all if you confess in spite of the fact that you've done a capital crime and in spite of the fact that you're going to be punished yesh lo chelek lo how do we know all of this? How do you know that mitvadeh yeshlochelik lo mabam? How do we? Uh, how does the Mishnah know this? How does such a halacha come to be? He says shekain matzinu ba'achan. Achan, a well-known personality in the book of Yehoshua. Achan, shamar lo Yehoshua. Bini. Simna kavod l'Hashem elokei Yisrael v'tein lo toda. In other words, after Achan was discovered to be who he was, we'll see that in the Gemara in a minute. V'yan Achan et Yoshua v'yom v'amna anochi chatati v'chazot v'chazot. So, so that's what he did. Who hit vada? He confessed. Yoshua said to him, do something nice. And he confessed. But how do we know that he achieved atonement? He achan achieved atonement by vidui. So there's some kind of a drasha. There's a drasha that says that because Achan, who took a stand against HaKadosh Baruch, HaKadosh Baruch said, don't. And he said, yes, I'm taking it. I like stuff. And I'm going to take this stuff. And he was punished, but did we do it? And the drasha says that he was Zohar Le'olam, Le'olam Haba. So then the Gemara. You see the Gemara? What? 
the second line, This is the story of Achan as related in the Gemara. Right? There's a story. And the Gemara relates this story. Which sounds like an accusation across the board. All of Am Yisrael has sinned. Okay? So Yoshua said, well, look, I'm, I'm looking here. This, this guy's eating, you know, kosher food. And this guy came to Minyan. And this woman is separating challah. I mean, who's chata here? These are all tzaddikim. And he, so Kodesh Boch says to Yoshua, do you think I'm going to rat on him? Dilator also means a, a prosecutor. But it, doesn't, it could also mean, like, you know, someone who tells the story. I'm going to tell the story. HaKadosh Bochel says, Lech v'apel goralot. Go find out yourself. Exactly what this means, why there's a difference when HaKadosh Bochel says it and when the goral says it. After all, the goral is also run by HaKadosh Bochel. So, okay. We, we don't know that. Halach v'apel goralot. He says, You're going to trust the Goralacha? says, He says, What if I put you to your two names in the Goral? Then one of the two of you is going to come out. So how can you trust the Goral? So they said to Ochan, we don't want you to make light of Goralot. This is an important thing. So this is how this is how he became uh, uh, known. He became known in a Goral. So now if you go to the second column, you go to the second column, so there's a question in the Gemara, the, in, in the fifth line, the fifth line from the top, the last word, Varhashta, is the Gemara proves that Achan was not only guilty of taking booty after they went into Eretz Israel. But he was also guilty beforehand. He was a criminal type early on, even in the desert. That's what the Gemara says. So then the Gemara says, So if that's true, if Achan was a bad guy, so why wasn't he punished in the Midbar? Why did HaKadosh Baruch wait until they came to Eretz Yisrael? Because these are Nistarot. These are the kinds of Averot that only HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows about. That Averot, that only HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows about. So that was only after they passed over the Ardenis. We mentioned the beating. Kitanai. Okay, 
ולא כבר נאמר עד עולם, אלא כשם שלא ענש על הנסתרות, כך לא ענש על עונשים שבגלוי עד שעברו ישראל את הירדן. So, אוקיי, זה מחלוקת, but whether only the נסתרות were not, or also the נגלות, like when did עם ישראל become עם ישראל? There seems to be an opinion when they went over the ירדן. Now listen. אלא אכן מייט המאיינש. If in fact, but what happened in the story of Anan? Anan is Hanistarot. But Anan is Hanistarot, they didn't know who did it. According to Al-Kaidi Yoshua, Benunin said, somebody did it. Yoshua said, I don't know who. So Al-Kaidi Yoshua said, let's do a goral. They did a goral and it fell out on Achan. But I don't understand. If Achan was an Hanistarot, so according to the Torah, what should happen? HaKadosh Baruch Hu should punish him. What's he missing around with Yoshua bin Nun? What is Yoshua bin Nun? What is his responsibility? He has to make a doral. He has to have a conversation with Achan. All to find out that when you go to get killed, you should do vidu, you should confess. But so the Gemara, the Gemara is, finds all of this a bit difficult. And therefore, at the end of this Gemara, it says, interestingly enough, Ella, Achan, Maitama, Yanesh, Right, so we're, we're stuck here. Achan contradicts the Torah. Right? He, he was a bad guy. He deserved to be punished. And he was punished. Nevertheless, there's a contradiction to what the Torah says because he is in the category of Nistarot. Allah comes to the Gemara and the Gemara says, Achan, Maitama, Yanesh, Mishum, Dahabu, Yadabay, Ishto, Ubanav. That's the answer of the Gemara. Now, you don't like the answer, uh, you know, sounds like a contrivance, like the Gemara had to say something, so it said something. It says, but obviously, the Gemara respects the principle of Nistarot and Niglot. The Gemara. The Gemara says that is a basic principle. And if Ochel was published, punished by Yoshua bin Nun, there has to be a way out of it. You have to move him to the category of being Nistar into the category of being Galui. And it doesn't matter how we do that. It doesn't matter how we do that. Somebody knew, so he didn't know, his wife, his children, it doesn't make any difference. It's just that the Gemara says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Bechlodah Be'atzmah Hibi Yochel is not going to go to Yoshua Benun and say, let's do something together against the Torah. That doesn't make sense to the Gemara. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Ishto Ubonah. So you see, that there's Nistarot and there's Neglot. We understand what Nistarot are, we understand what Neglot are. We heard the Rashi, we heard the Rashiba. There are Nistarot, there are Neglot. The responsibility starts when you cross the yard and you go to Eretz Israel. The story of Achan is a story of the punishment of somebody who did something benistar. Somebody, somebody who did something benistar. The Gemara says this can't be, and therefore we have to move Achan from the category of nistar to the category of nigla. That's the background. Up to now, we've learned the background. Now let's look at the Meshilah. The Meshilah says this. On the last page. The Meshilah says this. The Meshilah, he, he knows what we know. I guess. I imagine even a few more things than we know. I'm Nisterot Hashem L'Kedavitzot L'Ono V'Aneinu V'Chulei. Pagimore. This is the Gemara that we just learned. Right? 
ואם תאמר מפני מה נענשו על אחן right so why were בני ישראל punished until they discovered אחן אלא אשתו ובניו היו יהודים that's what the Gemara says right up to now hasn't said anything too remarkable here's Omar ובני מה נענשו על אחן אלא אשתו ובניו יהודו וכו' ולכאורה התירץ הזה אינו מספיק מפני שאשתו בניו היו יהודים נענשו כל ישראל So nobody else knows. If Mordechai hadn't been there by accident, if he didn't understand Japanese, so then it would just go on. Nothing would have changed. So, so we, have to, we have to try to understand. We have to understand. This is what the Beishi Law said. What a terrorist is that? What a terrorist is that? They want to move, they want to move Ochon from the category of Nistarot to the category of Niglot. How do they do it in the Gemara? They say, Ishto Ubono. Ishto Ubono? They also can keep a secret. I mean, still today Israel didn't know. They weren't there. They told Yoshua said, Who is this? I don't know who this guy is who's causing all this trouble. That's what Yoshua said. <coughs> so that's what Lechoram Terutz Hazei Noma speak with Neishi Ishto Banav Ayu Yodim Nanshiko Yisrael. לא היה צריך לאנוש רק אותם שהיו יהודים. Furthermore, he says, if I was writing the Gemara, or if I was writing the Halacha, I would say that you should punish the ones who didn't tell, the ones who prevented us from due process, right? The ones who prevented us from due process were Ishto Obono. So let them be punished. What's it got to do with B'nai Yisrael? V'ni'ir'eh sh'ayinyan hukach. So he has a kasher. He, the Meishi Law, has a kasher. And you know that not only for the kasher starpmanit, but a kasher leptmanit. It's the life force of Talmud Torah. It's a kasher. Right? So he has a kasher. He has a kasher. Shadam over averab seiter. Velo yadab shum adam. As adavar hazeh she'asah אינו נוגע לכלל ישראל, רק הוא מהנסתרות של השם אלוקי. He says, well, what does Seter mean? What does it mean to do an Avera for Seter? He says, well, obviously, it has nothing to do with Kalal Yisrael. It's nothing to do with the Jewish people. It only has to do between that man and God. Right? That's what Nistar means. That's what an Avera of the Seter means. והשם יתברך נקרא רב חסד הקדוש ברוך הוא is רב חסד right in the י' גמומידוס חסד has an adjective רב not חסד but רב חסד מתה כלפי חסד that הקדוש ברוך הוא somehow כביוכו always leans in the direction 
of Chesed. Vuhu mivarer hadavar litova. And Akkadish Borhu, when he looks at the Nistarot, remember, somebody did an Aveira and is going to be judged in heaven. So the Meshilah says, since God is the judge, the tendency will be chesed. The tendency will be what we might call lekula. Even though you would think that if God is the judge, then the judgment would be most severe. But no, according to according to uh, the Meshilah, he says. He says, "Vehu mevarer hadavar." I'm on line twelve. Mevarer hadavar litova. It's the Rav Chesed that can be applied to din, which is the feature that defines or describes divine justice. Divine justice in the court of heaven, Chesed plays a role. But this Rav Chesed, that's God. That's only God. Even if a person, one single person, saw the Aveira and refuses to bring that Aveira to court refuses to tell the story it's a well kept secret amongst two people or three people I'm on line 15 then he says it doesn't matter it's moved from heaven to earth because something transpired the Meshilor says Masha the person who saw his fellow doing the Aveira something happened to him like you can't see a person doing the Aveira be quiet and say nothing happened nothing happened to me like, like it had its effect on me which I think means like, how can you cover it up? You know, like if you see somebody eating tray food and you've never eaten tray food in your life, it could be echoldic. You know, like, how could you do that? It's distressing. I mean, who can keep quiet? Who can say, okay, he did it, but not so bad. The person who himself might be able to do that and so the effect the effect on the watcher is what the Meishi Loach is thinking about he says if nobody knows and no one has seen and no one's been involved that's between the perpetrator and heaven 
And when it's between the perpetrator and heaven, he said, Rav Chesed, that's an upward to principle. But if somebody sees it, if somebody watches, and he's able to keep quiet, right? is he thinking about himself? Is he thinking about doing tshuva? Is he thinking about changing? I mean, he becomes part of the Aveira. He didn't do it, but he's involved. He's involved. I mean, you know, some people, you know, uh, can, you, can you watch Aveiras? Is it so easy? Is it so easy to watch people doing the wrong thing? I don't imagine. And now it doesn't matter anymore if anybody else knows about it. But this process has now become planted in Am Yisrael. And they are, since they are Revim Zelazeh, it's something that we have to deal with. So it's hard to say what exactly, what exactly it is that the Meshiloch is saying, but I'm going to give it a try. I'm giving it a try. When you say niglot, what's the difference between nistarot and niglot, according to the Meshiloch? Nistarot don't affect the community. They have no connection. I don't know that it happened. I don't know the implications of what he did. I have no way of finding out. There's no connection. And therefore the principle of Arvut does not enter. But Arvut doesn't mean Arvut doesn't mean that if you know about it and you have proof about it and you could bring it to Beitin, and you can sort of get a judgment against that person that somehow that's called Arvut. Arvut is the existence of the community as a whole. And the existence of the community as a whole can be affected by the acts of a single person. And that can even happen when one other person saw him do it. Because that one other person is going through a change. And that change produces a ripple effect. And that ripple effect, that ripple effect has, a fa- has in turn an effect on the community at large. And therefore, it's important for the community to get rid of the neglect. And niglot doesn't mean everybody knows about it, but it's enough to say that somebody knows about it. And so the Meshilot says that the way the Tanakh and the Gemara present the material is perfect. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Yoshua Ben Nun, somebody is guilty. 
And Yoshua bin Nun said, what did he say? He said, I don't know who it is. He didn't say, Hanistarot Lashem Elokein. He didn't say, he didn't say, it's not my responsibility. He said, I don't know how to fulfill my responsibility. Because he knew that the community had been affected by this secret event. And the fact that the community had been affected was clear to him. He just didn't know who was responsible. And so the Meshilah says, that's what the Gemara means when it says at the end, somebody knew, his wife knew, his children knew. And the community, as a result, was adversely affected either because they saw what happened and they would be drawn in, or they saw what happened and they felt they had to do extra tshuva, they had to repent. And therefore, it was clear to everybody that something had to be done by Joshua. Ben Nun said to the Rebbein but I don't know who it is. Show me who it is. And then they went through the Goralot, etc. Because the Goralot had something to do with the Chalukah of Eretz Yisrael. And that's what we are talking about. We're talking about maintaining a standard of purity for the nation which would enable them to be worthy of the Chalukah of Eretz Yisrael. And so... I don't know if this is modern psychology or ancient psychology, but what the Neshi Law says is that everything has an effect. Or every person, and what every person does, it's like chaos theory, has an effect on what every other person does. So that the fact that there are people standing next to me who are living in a way that I find difficult to approve of, well, that's going to have an effect on me. And it's going to change the way I am. Because we're influenced always, and we're influenced by crowds and large numbers of people. And so we all have to somehow deal with this issue. Along comes the Meshilach and he says, There are nistarot. Those are the things we don't have to deal with. But there are niglot, and those are things we do have to deal with. And niglot doesn't mean that we know precisely what the Avera was, what the punishment was, that we have to aid them, and there was Hasra, and that all of the procedure was done properly to bring with the court, and then the punishment will be meted out. Quite the contrary. Most of the time, we know that there's something wrong, but we don't know what the cause is, what the source is. Right? You see people talking about the fact that the spirit of uh, volunteering in the Israeli army has changed. And then everybody has a theory about it. Somehow you feel that the community is not the same, but you're not sure exactly why. But this is in the category of niglot, because this is about the effect that it has on me and what I am doing. And it's interesting. I mean, in this context, that the Yom Hadin of Rosh Hashanah, you know that the Yom Hadin of Rosh Hashanah, or next week is Rosh Hashanah, so I'll just, you know, the Yom Hadin of Rosh Hashanah, the tour, the tour uh, talks about how Rosh Hashanah is really a happy day, 
everybody's going to court, but they're dressed up in white. And, I mean, it's Yushalmi. Because of Yushalmi, you're dressed up in white, and you eat uh, kind of hurry. You know, the Jews know how to eat. And they figure Rosh Hashanah is the day that they should really go for it. It's the day of eating par excellence. Uh, you eat before you eat, you eat after you eat. You, know, you make brachas endlessly on all kinds of food that you would never eat any other time of the year. But you know, Rosh Hashanah. So there's a kind of a simcha aspect, but there's another aspect to Rosh Hashanah. So an interesting aspect to Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is called Yom Adin by Chazam. Din is a lonely process. You know, when somebody is accused and brought to court, he or she is usually there pretty much alone. Okay, you might have a lawyer, you might have a couple of people helping you out, right? We, for us, Yom Adin, First of all, we invite the whole family. Let's have Yom Adin together. Then we go to shul. Shul, there have never been so many people in any shul in the rest of the year. Even shuls that are packed all year long. All of a sudden, now come folding chairs and benches and, and little stools. I mean, everybody's all over shul. So the Yom Adin, the Yom Adin of Am Yisrael is a public enterprise. It's a crowd. We do Yoba Din with a crowd. Like, you know, we go up and we say, okay, we're here. And my 42,000 friends, like, they're also here. We're all here for Yoba Din. We'll live here. If you have a few minutes, we'll sing a Nigin. We'll sing the Nusach. Right? We'll sing the Sanatokev. Whatever you like. We'll, we'll sing a little. So that this is an interesting thing. That the Yom Hadin, we see the Yom Hadin of Rosh Hashanah, as being a kind of a public spectacle. Because it's the Yom Hadin of Arvus. It's the Yom Hadin of who we are as a community. Because if we cannot maintain the standards that we have to maintain as a community, Am Yisrael, then we're not going to be able to maintain as individuals. And it's not true that we're just individuals. What is true is that we're this tremendous community. We feel it not only in, uh, in Teaneck, in Muncie, in London, but in Eretz Yisrael, it's everybody. You know, everybody in Eretz Yisrael is part of the same community, whether we are willing to admit it, uh, you know, loudly, or we kind of try to avoid admitting it. But it's true, nonetheless. And the Meshilah said, that the difference between Nistarot and Niglot are not about whether we know the Avera or we don't know the Avera. It's about whether we see the negative effect that's happening to us or not. Yes, there are Nistarot. There are things that HaKadosh Baruch will take care of. There are Averas that we'll never know are being done. And they won't affect us and they won't have a determining effect on us. But there are Averas, the Meshulah says, which even though, even though we don't know exactly who's doing them, and we don't know exactly what it is that's being done, but we know that we're being affected, and we have to change something. And so, his Pshat is a good Pshat. Yoshua bin Nun said, I don't know who it is. I don't know how to fix it. But he knew that he had to fix it. And then the Gemara said, Ishto Bonov, 
it was there somehow, it was in the community. There was this negative aspect in the community that Yoshua Benun agreed, but didn't know how to uproot. And so the Goral, which is the symbol of Chalukas Eretz Yisrael, which is the time of the creation of Arvus for all of the Jews, Ochon became the person who helped us to understand what Arvus meant. Arvus is not that I wait until somebody commits some major transgression and then I put him into Chayra. But Arvus is having sensitivity enough to understand that everybody affects everybody else. And very early on, I've got to try to determine what the nature of my community should be. And Shabbat Shalom.